Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavosden, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I, too, own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But Dan, as I've told you all throughout Beyond and Beyond Beyond, the annuals don't count. You know, someone was asking me online with the new season, so to speak, of the show, with this new run kicking off with Zeb Wells and JRJR, if we would be switching up the argument that we have at the beginning of every episode. And I don't, I just, I can't see us ever coming to meet eye to eye on this enough to move past it. Yeah. I mean, we, we even did an entire Christmas episode about it, you know, where, you know, we all supposedly learned lessons and then we were right back the next week fighting about it, Dan. So I, if, if it, if the holidays can't fix it, nothing can. <laughs> well, fair enough. Welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this final review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk Beyond. Yeah, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week or, or so, we put out a mainline episode of our <laughs> flagship show and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. So this is the perfect time to start listening as we talk about the end of a 19-part arc. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you, you joked about uh, every other week or so. I mean, yes, we have like a month between issues here, but like that's not to balance out that we were getting Spider-Man issues four times a month. I feel like, Mark, you and I at the completion of this just finished a marathon. That's very true. And and I'm someone who runs marathons. I can vouch for that. So anyway, as we've been teasing <laughs> today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 93 entitled Beyond Chapter 19. What's new? This issue was written by Zeb Wells, with pencils by Patrick Gleason, Sarah Pacelli, and Mark Bagley. Inks by Patrick Gleason, Sarah Pacelli, and Tim Townsend. Colors by Brian Valenza and Carlos Lopez. A cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez. And of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released on March 30th, 2022. Dan, 
we've been waiting so long to hear about this issue, but you had to like go to, you know, the other side of the world for a bit before we could talk about (laughs) it, but you're back. So why don't you kick things off with a very, very dramatic reading of the synopsis. All right, I'll do my best here. And and I, I, I want to apologize. You know, this is like a trigger warning for everybody because as advertised, this issue was traumatizing. And I don't want to like downsell that, right? Like the solicit said it would be traumatizing and maybe even my summary will, will be traumatizing. So here we are. It's the traumatic conclusion of the Beyond Saga, and we start by revisiting Ben Riley's first memory of the time he took over as Spider-Man, as he and Peter share brotherly time in his childhood attic. He remembers his longing for Peter's life, but there's something missing this time. Voids begin to swirl in his memory, erased by Beyond. Ben awakes in a confrontation with the Slingers, who he promptly wipes the floor with. Hey, they came back. I don't have to eat my shoe. Maxine, in her safe room, determines that Beyond can survive Ben's attack, but they'll have to scrub all of their data. Ben confronts her, demanding his memories, but she says none were saved in order to protect the original Spider-Man's identity. Maxine then gaslights Ben into trying to force Peter into wearing the helmet she has designed using Doc Ock's tech. Ben refuses. Peter is his friend, after all, but he's left with no good options. In a separate room, Maxine tells Marcus that she's ordered his death to look like an accident. Ben arrives and confronts Peter about the helmet, asking him to copy his memories. Peter hesitates. It's Otto's tech, and he doesn't trust Beyond. But Ben shouts at Peter. He's not asking for his permission. Meanwhile, Janine shows up to save Marcus by using an infantilizer gun to zap the mercenary kill squad back to their childhood. Just make sure no one tells Silvermane that this thing exists. As Peter tries to coax Ben down, Ben explains how he's heard Peter's voice in his head all these years, but now that voice has become quiet and he can drive his own actions and he gets to make decisions about his own life for the first time. Peter wants to help Ben, but doesn't believe him. Meanwhile, the Beyond board approves Maxine's motion to liquidate the lower levels of Beyond Tower exactly where the Spider-Men are. Maxine escapes after the board tries to kill her, threatening her own vengeance. Ben launches into a tirade about how Peter hates him. Ben restrains Peter with a spinneret bot and removes Peter's mask. Peter says he wants to help, but Ben asks why he has to force Peter to help. Janine and Marcus discover the building is being flooded with scrub goo, which confuses and rewrites matter. Peter uses his smarts and breaks free, shattering the helmet. Ben lashes out at Peter, seeing the loss of memories as him officially becoming nothing. He nearly murders Peter and later falls into the scrub goo pit, denying Peter's help, essentially committing suicide, and accepting his fate as nothing. Peter tries to save Ben, but Marcus portals Peter to safety. Days later in the hospital, Peter recovers from his injuries. Janine searches the sewers below Beyond Tower and finds psychoreactive goo, She discovers Ben has survived, but is extremely damaged from exposure to the goo. Weeks later, Peter and MJ decide to move in together, but are surprised when a blinding figure appears outside of their window with a vague threat. And still, months later, I mean, this book just covers all span of time, 
Months later, Ben and Janine are living in a rotted out apartment as Ben struggles to cope with the loss of identity. Ben is unable to recognize himself and only has Janine to cling to. He has a meltdown and wrecks his way out of the apartment. Embraced by madness, he goes to the Empire State Building in a new costume and calls himself Chasm, or as Mark and I have been calling him, Chasm. Short for chasing ASM. Chasing Amazing, yes, right. Chasing ASM, Mark's uh, Mark's beloved site. Rest in peace. Nah, I mean, it's it, the domain still exists. <laughs> it's still alive. <laughs> you know, the real ones remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, anyway, guys, that was my very all too long recap of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 93. What are your thoughts about this issue overall? It was it was something I (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as as you said, there's a lot happening here. Um, And, you know, I guess I guess first and foremost, you know, we had 18 previous issues plus five oversized dot beyond issues. So you would have thought, especially with the fact that we knew from the onset that this story was was very predetermined in terms of its length and 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 installments, that we wouldn't need a final issue with so much exposition in it. And yet that's what we got. We weren't really resolving this story as much as introducing a lot of new stuff <laughs> to to set up the next potential round of stories to come and 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 to me that doesn't really feel like a fitting end to an arc like that you know basically dan like there i guess there are very isolated elements of this comic that i thought were well done and maybe even enjoyable but like to me this was a very frustrating comic book. Not quite on the level of Kindred is the Stacy twins frustrating, but maybe a just a layer below that, <laughs> or a layer above that. <laughs> however you want to, however you want to rank it. You know, I, I I just feel like we we rushed through some some things that should have been done organically with these characters. I feel like other things just did not get the bow on them that they needed. I think that we're just as a general rule, looking constantly too far ahead of things when it comes to Spider-Man, instead of looking in the present and how do we how do we tell this story that we're currently entrenched in? There is a certain fan base that's frustrated about certainly how Ben Riley's got portrayed over the course of the story and specifically this comic. I'm not a huge fan with how this all ended, so that's that's my my long-winded general synopsis of my thoughts. <laughs> I'm not too far off from you. I think I definitely enjoyed it more than you did. And on this show, I'm probably going to be playing devil's advocate. If only because I was more positive on this than you were. I, I was also frustrated in how some of the character stuff, it was resolved, not resolved. And I I think that there's a much cleaner version of this overall beyond storyline that we got where the elements are reduced and the character motivations are simpler and easy and more clearly defined. And I don't think that we got that. And I think some of the problems with that uh, are, are very apparent in an issue like this. 
but I, I overall thought like this was a, a you know a pretty solidly constructed ending. But I, I use the word ending very loosely because I think my biggest problem with it is that, like you said, it's it's focused on what's next instead of making sure like the point of the story here was clear. And ultimately, I don't know what the point of this story was beyond as a whole what they're trying to say about these characters or uh, how they're trying to explore who they are in some way. And I think in bits and pieces throughout all of beyond, we've had isolated moments that you and I have really enjoyed. And we gave more issues in this run, a ratings, which is something we don't do very often than we have in a really long time. And, but ultimately in, I don't know what they were in service of, and that's where the ending becomes almost litmus test of what you read before. And in this case, I think it doesn't make it clear. If anything, it makes it more confusing. And so while I can appreciate the construct of this individual issue, I think for me, and I think you're more frustrated about this individual issue. For me, the the larger whole of it is something I'm still muddling over and wondering why couldn't this have been simpler and why couldn't it have been more clear in what it wants to do? And, you know, there are some evidence in this issue about what it wants to do, namely in the letters page, which, or if you want to call it a letters page, which like, I think this whole thing would have been served better to not have that uh, for once. It, it, it paints the story with a editorial idea that I think, cuts against anything that this overall arc wanted to do. And we'll talk about all that stuff, but I wish I had a more kind of concrete feeling about this issue, whether I hated it or loved it. I'm somewhere in between, but ultimately think like there's a lot of things that I did find enjoyable in the pages here. You know, part of my opinion is being colored by the fact, like, let's, let's be honest. The last, the last run ended in, in our, you know, in our shared opinion, in epically terrible fashion, and and as that run was ending, you know, they they had started floating this idea, and at the time, I was very lukewarm to it because I I was just kind of like, what what, what do we need a Ben Riley story for right now? Like, I I don't see where where we need to go with that. At the end of the day, like the success of this story, I think rested on how they would resolve it. Like, like would they make, did they make it worth my time and how they ended Ben's story here? And based on this issue, I think that's a pretty solid no. Like, you know, it was worth the time of basically hitting the pause button on Spider-Man for four or five months to do it. And we could talk about why they did it, that Spencer left them and Nick Spencer left them in the lurch. And and clear, as we said in the letters page, Nick Lowe had an idea and he got his team together to execute it with Zeb Wells leading the way. But at the end of the day, like just because you're in a tough situation doesn't mean that you're still not obligated to to tell a, a solid narrative that makes sense. And I don't know if they do that here. Yeah, that's fair enough. So let, let's talk about it. You said Ben Riley's arc. Let's talk about the Ben Riley of it all, because that's what these 19 issues plus were purportedly getting at. I mean, not all of them were focused on Ben. And I think it's safe to say that like between us, the ones we liked the most 
were the ones that focused on Peter. From the beginning, we didn't really understand Ben, like ben, what Ben's motivations were, why he signed up for beyond like what all of this was, how he felt about all of this. And they've peeled back the corners here and there. Um, I will admit before this recording, I went back and reread all of the Zeb Wells, Patrick Gleason issues of this run because I felt like they were the most substantial and did the most with Ben. And I can see the like pieces of where they were going with all of this seeded from, you know, the very beginning and the big moment I think revealed where we find out that Ben elected to have his memories erased so as to simplify his life. You know, that to me was like a really big moment. And we commented when we were reviewing that issue that like, Oh cool. Beyond is finally kicking into gear. And I think for five or six issues, it really did before it was derailed by 91 and 92 which I think could have done a lot of the work like needed to sell this issue. So this issue, I think there's no other place to start than talking about Ben Riley's turn, right? That is the big like part of the story is he goes from like trying to take down beyond to then like fighting with Spider-Man. And you had said for a long time upon seeing the cover of this issue Man, I really hope that that's not where this story goes. And yet we found ourselves there. What did you think of all of this? Right. And 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 this is not to play gotcha with you, Dan, but like I I remember at one point you you know, you were joking like, "Oh man, you're reading a lot into that cover because and you know, I interpreted that to be like because based on the text of the comics that we were getting, it wouldn't really didn't make sense that the two of them would turn around and be fighting each other like, you know, to the death. And that's what we got here. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> am I am I surprised that by the fact that this story ended with the two of them as adversaries? N- not necessarily like as a concept, but like in terms of what the text on the page was and and how it was executed. Yes, I am surprised because it it, it still kind of felt out of nowhere to me. I mean, you know, like we, we yes. Last two issues, 100% derailed the narrative that we were building and maybe could have done the the legwork that would have set up 93 much better, but could have, would have, should have. It didn't, you know, like, so this is what we had to work with. So, you know, going into this comic, you know, Ben was kind of in La La Land, it seems, but like, I didn't, nothing about where his character was going would have suggested like a potentially murderous turn against, you know, the person that he was calling brother just a few issues prior. Or even in this issue, he attacks Maxine saying he's my friend, you know, like I I wouldn't do that to him. I, I get that. Like for so much of this beyond, right. The revelation that was in beyond files for Ben was, that he had a hunger for meaning that makes him easily manipulated. But like easily, easily manipulated is different than like his flip flopping allegiance to beyond, right? He's going to destroy them. And then at the last minute, she's like, here's your solution. And he trusts her solution more than he trusts Peter to solve it for him. And, and to me, that transition was not sold to me. Why would he trust these guys? Why would he trust Beyond 
over Peter Parker, his his supposed brother. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like easily manipulated is not like, come on, come on. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like e- I mean, to me, easily manipulated is, you know, using Janine as a weakness against him. I mean, like, I think, you know, and frankly, again, not to kind of branch out into the larger story of the last 19 comics, but, you know, we really we would touch upon the Janine, you know, like Janine is collateral or leverage against Ben, but but not not to the depths that would have really explained a character turn, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like we never we never truly went there in how this story was told. That turn is is 95 percent of this comic in terms of the stakes and the and and the drama, you know, so like if you can't if you can't hit that right the whole house of cards falls down in my opinion and that's what happened here it's like you you didn't you didn't put the work in to make this to make this change make sense i don't want to say necessarily ben riley deserved better because as we discussed many months ago i really didn't care about ben riley i'm sorry i mean you know you could take away my spider fan card or whatever but like him having more story to tell was not necessarily something that interested me. And we can talk about this more in the final segment as well, but okay. You, 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 you made me invest my time in this. So like, yes, beyond Ben Riley deserved better. Cause then what was the point of all this? If you were going to build to this very significant character shift and, and, and not do it in a way that, feels organic or or plots or you know like he like you said he's seesawing from panel to panel within this just this comic you know like the like the, the, there is no true point of transition here it's just you know i'm doing one thing and now i'm doing the other thing and you know like you gotta if you're trying to round up a story and do a major character turn you, you gotta do more work than that it just it just feels lazy for lack of a better word but like I, I i don't know if it's necessarily laziness i think it's just poor execution i think like they just you know it was almost like they ran out of runway here but like then you're saying then what were the last 18 issues of comics here plus five villains <laughs> it it's confused on a level to me that seems like it's almost been worked backwards which is like there was a late game shift that we have to do chasm because I don't know if you read the timeless issue that was released a couple months back. And I believe it's on Marvel unlimited. Now there was a tease for like future adventures with Ben in Hollywood. And maybe that was a misdirect, but it, it, it always made me think that we were getting out of this and maybe that's yet to come. Although I don't see them erasing chasm just months after they've introduced the character, especially with a suit that I think is as cool looking as, as it is. Um, I, I don't know your feelings about the design of the suit, but you know, let Patrick Gleason design Spider-Man suits all day if we have to, but sure. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean like regardless of the character, like the design is neat and whatever, it'll find its way into a Spider-Man video game in 10 years and we'll all love it then it seems like it's working backwards because like even the motivation for the character is very bizarre because he says there's this like really interesting monologue that he gets into about how like he always experienced his life in the second person. Like you are Peter Parker. 
Like he could hear Peter's voice in his head, you know, telling him who he was and how he like won't let Peter tell him who he is anymore. And yet he wants to get the memories back. But like, what, which is it? Do you want to free yourself from this or do you want to continue to be shackled by it? And you know, the, the no prize here is he's confused, which granted is part of the text, right? Peter says like, you're confused. I'm trying to help you, but it doesn't make for very like clear stakes because it's like he's fighting against someone that has, it's really beyond making choice, right? Like he's basically fighting with an Alzheimer's patient. Maybe there's something interesting there, but it's not super dramatic enough to like pit these guys against each other, which granted is how they met, right? Like most of this issue is really a callback to them waking up in Shea stadium and, and belting on each other. I wish I knew what he wanted. And I, again, I'm not even sure he knows as a character again, like this, this feels like stuff that should be like low hanging fruit here in terms of character development where, you know, like, like you, I, I, I too, like I, I did find that kernel of like, you're the voice in my head to be interesting. But it's like, again, we're at issue 93, part 19, and you're kind of hearing that for the first time. And, you know, from this character. And like, to me, like, that's a concept, like, that shouldn't be getting explored for the first time in the closing chapter as the character is descending into madness here. Like, like you can you could very easily kind of establish that idea earlier. You're the voice in my head and, and I, I'm, I'm tired of you telling me what to do, but we really never do that throughout this arc. You know what I mean? Like, and, and maybe if they did, this would make more sense. Like the dra- the drama would be building more, but we didn't. I am also curious to get your thoughts on what you felt about Peter's reaction to all this, because like, you know, it, it was kind of this from from my standpoint, it was this weird combination of passivity and then aggression. <laughs> well, which is it? Are you, you know, you're my brother. I love you. I can't fight you or, you know, screw you. You're always going off the deep end. We got to we got to we got to fight now, you know, because I, I feel like they try to have it both ways here with with Peter. Oh, totally. Because he kind of springs up and destroys the helmet. And if, if that were his way of like bringing down the tension, he didn't do a really good job of it. You know, not a a good (laughs) de-escalation. Yeah. And like, there's definitely a way to sell that like on the page. And like, for me, it's like, it's almost there, right? Like we know this helmet is using doc Ock tech, right? And like, obviously Peter would be traumatized by re-engaging with anything related to a helmet and Doc Ock. But like the Doc Ock stories not handled by Zeb Wells here didn't really sell that that much, right? Like if if this was a more tight contained story with less players and Doc Ock felt integral to it and it, we really had a sense that his tech was suffuse throughout beyond instead of talking sandwiches we have spider bots and things like that you could really see why peter would be beyond hesitant to engage with this in a way that would get him to deny his brother so to speak um something that like could ostensibly help him i thought about when i was reading this i thought about the scene from amazing spider-man 2 
where Harry is like begging Peter for his blood. Like, it'll cure me. Like, help me help your friend. And Peter's like, I can't. And he just leaves. And there's no good reason for why he doesn't. And you're just like, well, Spider-Man's a dick. I kind of agree (laughs) with Harry Osborn, you know? And in this, it's like, like, could you have placated the guy by like maybe taking the helmet and being like, let's get out of here. Let's, we'll talk about it. We'll find a way to do this. But instead he just like destroys the helmet and he's like, I'm sick of all your tech. And it's like, I get it. There's even a scene here where like MJ talks to Peter and is like, don't be rough on him. Like he's in a lot of pain. And Peter's like, I understand, you know, and then completely forgets that lesson, you know, which is not to say that Peter's perfect, but come on. Well, like, so you, you had just, you had just alluded to the line a few seconds ago. I want to, I kind of want to pick up, pick it apart a bit more here. And again, it kind of goes into this idea of, of poor development, but like the, I I'm sick of your tech, you know, like I, I think that that also came on the heels of him breaking out of the spinnerets, which I think, in and of itself was a was a was a neat moment you know like i i i mean i'm a sucker for peter using his brain when when you know he where he's otherwise back against the wall to kind of get out of the get out of a rough physical situation um but like that that i'm sick of your tech kind of like you know and he and it's like it's a it's a lash out like you said he breaks the helmet and he and you know he's going like full uppercut into ben there it's like a you know it's kind of a very strikingly violent moment and to me it's like i'm reading it and i'm saying to myself man like you had all that all that time of peter in a hospital bed he basically didn't have the tech to survive the 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 ufos you could have really built up the resentment angle, you know, like, yeah, you know, Ben, I'm, I'm, I support you, but like internally, like, you know, that, you know, my lose, you know, can I still be a Spider-Man without these guys, you know, like the inferiority complex or something like, like if you're going to have Peter snap that, that much at this idea of like, you know, Ben having to rely on gadgets and tech and whatnot to, to get the job done you know, what, what would have caused that line to break for him? And, and I don't feel like we really got that at all over the course of the story, unless I'm misremembering something. Maybe that's what the monster in the basement story was supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to forget about that one. You know, I, obviously this story is like pegged as a tragedy. And I think there are moments like where like it works, you know, like seeing Ben kind of sinking down into the goo essentially committing suicide and saying like, I am nothing, you know, it is, is sad, you know, and, and, and tragic for the character, but all of it to me is kind of like belied by just that. We never really knew how Ben feels about all of this and also like structurally how these stories have been told. And I think this gets back to the Nick Spencer run, which is, so many of these stories are missing act one. They are, they are, they are punting it till later to make it a revelation. And it hurts all the stories coming into it. Like not knowing like what Ben wanted getting into beyond or that he elected to have his memories erased and experiencing that emotion with him we can't really feel all the tragedy around that decision because ultimately that's the thing here that is really kind of sinking Ben is that like he made a decision to have his memories erased 
and it backfired on him. But if we met Ben at the beginning of this and he was struggling with the decision to, to go through this beyond thing and saw, okay, like here are the upsides. I can get Janine back in my life. I can be supported and be a better Spider-Man than ever. And I can erase this bad chapter from my life. Like I will go tinkering with a mad scientist again. It's worth it to me. And then this was the result. I would buy that. Like that's actually really interesting to me. You know, like that feels like a Spider-Man story. Someone who's trying to cheat their way past their bad decisions, you know? And we even get like lip service to that at the beginning of this story with that uncle Ben memory where he steals the gum from the store, which is like the idea of like, you don't get to have everything you want just because you want it. You have to work hard and sometimes doing the right thing is difficult. And again, we do get that beat, but it's just not as powerful as having like gone through that with him. And I'm so tired of like these stories that are withholding major elements from us. And I just think like, boy, if I had gotten to live with that, especially with Zeb Wells writing that, because I think when he wrote it, it was powerful. The Kelly Thompson stuff just flushed that away. uh, That kind of moral idea. But the tragedy just doesn't hit in the way it's supposed to. And this is to say, like, I kind of like this because it is there. It's just not working. Um, so like, I can see where the good story is in all of this. Yeah. And again, like, you know, kind of going, working backwards and knowing now, you know, knowing now what we know then, you know, that the, the, the key, the key sin that, that, Peter has in that memory in the very, very beginning is stealing. And, you know, what, what, what is Ben essentially getting accused of, you know, in this comic, he's trying to steal Peter's life. He's trying to steal his memories. And, 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 you know, so it it is an interesting parallel. Yeah. Everyone is just trying to tell like, like this, this mystery whodunit with Spider-Man all the time. And, you know, Hey, I know that we like to, we, uh, we, we all like to have a good goblin mystery, but like, I don't know. Like, not everything, not every story in Spider-Man history is a is a mystery, you know. Like, and I feel like that's all we've been getting is like these, like like you said, these like whodunits, and you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna withhold information from you until the bitter bitter end, so that the the revelation will shock you, and you're just like, or you could just tell a good story, and the tra- and the tragedy of of the character's descent will shock me. Because it's earned, you know, like, and you're like, oh, man, I really feel, you know, you have me loving Ben Riley again. And then you, you, you stabs me in the heart because, you know, you, you, you laid all this groundwork and, and made this work, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And that's to say, like, I, I, I think it's all there. I mean, like when I read this issue, like compare this to, I mean, uh, nothing should be compared to the end of the Nick Spencer run. Cause that's deeply unfair to the Nick Spencer run. Maybe it's not, but like the, the stakes are cool here. Like we're in a building that's being shut down and falling apart and filling with this goo and like all the drama is there, right? Like the, the setup is, is all good. Like, and you know, hats off to this comic. It's actually interested in its characters. Like that's something I can't say about a Spider-Man comic for a very long time. Like this is about two characters coming to blows. We may not really understand fully why that is. And I think that's a problem, but it is interested in that. It's not interested in retroactive continuity and blah, 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 blah. 
but all we needed was the bow to be tied here. You know, like it, it's, you have all these disparate elements, but you're not guiding us to them and how they fit. Like I could come up with a million ways of making the themes of what we've seen over the past 19 issues work here. But like I'm doing that work when really the comic should make it more clear to me. Just before we transition to a few other things about this specific comic, talk about the 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 chasm or <laughs> chasm of it all. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what, what you alluded to it earlier. Great design by Patrick Gleason. I mean, you know, really, you know, I, I yeah, he could do stuff like this all day. I mean, let him do a symbiote series that that would probably look phenomenal. But like, I don't know, like, I, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, though. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, is this like Venom 2.0 or 8.0 or whatever point you want to say it is for Venom? I, I like I don't know, like. What 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 are we what are we to make about this character? Do we think he's you know, a new member of the Rogues Gallery or what? <laughs> like they literally said, the newest member of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery in the press release they put out. Although I'm very reluctant to go off of press releases because I I, I actually think like, and we'll talk about this when we talk about editorial later on. I think so much of this story would have been more pleasant if it just was completely devoid of editorializing. Like if we didn't see any of the ads for this, because like uh, comparing this to amazing Spider-Man 300, which I know is a favorite of yours, you know, we've always talked about what if Venom actually got like Eddie Brock actually was an established character prior to him suddenly being turned into a a villain, right? Like we love that character of Venom as a Spider-Man villain, but really like if we're being as critical as you and I are on this show, we probably would have dinged that comic back in the day and said like, who is this guy that we're supposed to care about out of nowhere? And, you know, obviously the argument is there that they did the work in that issue to make you care. Venom 2.0, this was a real opportunity to create a very personalized villain for Spider-Man, if that's the route that they were going and really invest us in who this guy is. I, I, I couldn't tell you what his motivation would be other than like, he's the anti Spider-Man in that he is a, he has the powers, but none of the memory to support him. And he's going to be going after Peter for whatever that is. I love the idea of having a new, very personalized in, in the absence of venom, in Spider-Man's life, he does need a Venom-like villain again. Did it need to be Ben Riley? I don't know. You know, is is is, is Chasm just going to be biding his time and planning random attacks on Spider-Man? I get it's. I guess it's possible. It just, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, you know, it's they kind of give away the game when it's like you know, many months later that we finally get this reveal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what's he been doing with his time then? You know, <laughs> just, like, like, what are you waiting for? Get back out there, buddy. You know, I don't know. Um, it's, 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 with Eddie, <laughs> you know, not to, not to retroactively review 300, but it was like, you know, like he was so hell bent on revenge that that seemed albeit very shortly introduced, like very pure in its rage and hatred, you know what I mean? That that you 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 kind of like it just set the threat level all the way up from the get go. Whereas I, 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 I'm having a hard time fully understanding what the threat level for Ben is, because I mean, the story, his story basically ends here with him, him committing suicide of in a sense and 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 
relinquishing himself because he thinks he's nothing. So it's like to have this character then come back and be this feared hate-filled villain just doesn't again it doesn't feel earned like then 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 why did you you know you could have just taken care of peter right then and there you had him on the ropes but then you opted to kill yourself so i i don't know like it's just it you kind of start arguing in circles with yourself when you when you think about it i don't know if hate-filled is even a right adjective to describe him by like right now he says like there's nothing to me right like and he's refashioning himself as chasm I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what that is. I'm curious to see where it goes. I talked in previous episodes that like, you know, Nick Lowe said here, we don't know what to do with Ben Riley. And that's how we came up with this, right? Is we needed to do something new with him. And I don't think that's an inherently good thing. Like you could have left him alone. I don't think anybody was like upset that Ben was out in the world. And I also don't think it makes a lot of sense considering there are a half dozen spider people running around right now. Like it seems like they don't know what to do with spider Gwen as well. I don't think you need to turn her into a villain. I I am open-minded about it though. Right. Cause like if you had read, you know, the bag man issue and you know, he gets rid of the, the black suit straight away and that would have been kind of like, well, wait, like what? You know, but ultimately it became something more interesting. I think there is untapped potential here to do something good, and I don't want to write it off straight away. That's life, folks. I do want to touch a little bit about beyond itself, not not the story, but the 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 corporation um, beyond, because like again, <laughs> like this this was this of the of the numerous problems I have with this comic. This 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 one might have even bothered me. I don't know. I should say as more than Ben Ben's characterization, but it bothered me quite a lot. I feel like this comic epitomized what a problem we've been dealing with this entire run, which is, you know, it just seems like the creators, the brain trust, the editorial team, whoever you want to assign the blame to, is they're they're so undecided about what they want Beyond to be. It's beyond this like this really truly evil cabal big bang big bad kind of thing you know boss level at the end of the at the end of the game or are they just kind of like corporate buffoons because i feel like we've gotten both treatments of them over the course of the story including in this very issue because like you have maxine like you know like we're we're gonna scrub everything she's she's ordering marcus's death i mean it's 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 very chilling in terms of what's about what they are advocating they do. And then, you know, in the very next panel, we got people being turned into babies. We have Maxine telling Marcus after she orders him to death to get over the poopy face. And you're just like, what is this? You know, like, like who, who are these characters and like, who, who's writing this? Like, it's just like the, 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 these, the, the random inserted levity that like, I'm not even finding that humorous. I don't know. Like if they're truly corporate buffoons, which I think they kind of err on the side of, then just just 
dive in and and you know but like they 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 I still think that they're trying to establish them as and you know like as much as chasm is now out there in the wilderness as a potential threat I mean so is Maxine Danger you know what I mean so like when is Beyond going to come back I mean if Zeb is going to continue writing the book is he going to bring Beyond back at some point but like do we care like, are they really a threat or, you know, is, 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 you know, are we going to get more talking sandwiches and, and monologues about corporate America from Maxine? I don't know. Like, it's it just, it's all very muddy to me and makes me hard to wrap my head around them truly as a villain to, you know, and, and to care about, I guess. I vastly prefer them as like, uh, like the new rocks on, you know, uh, like this faceless corporation with these somewhat robotic overlords. And, you know, the miles book has been very interested in the assessor. Who's a part of this. So there's still a lot to be mined here to me. It's the kind of like the silly stuff that just doesn't fit in. And I have to think that like that's a Nick Lowe, like, you know, insertion, you know, given that he was the editor on next wave agents of hate, which introduced beyond and like, people even argue whether that is canonically, you know, a part of the six one six, you know, to me, the the silly stuff doesn't really match with the level of output this company had, right? Like the company that is making queen goblin and sending the UFOs and all these other villains onto the street doesn't really seem to be the same one. That's like making talking sandwiches and baby guns. It didn't bother me a ton in this issue, but I can see why, you know, like it's still at the end of this. It's like, who is beyond? I don't really know. Yep. You know, and like you said, at the very, very beginning, you know, they're they're quote unquote trying to manipulate Ben. But their 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 methods of manipulation are are are, are kind of soft and <laughs> and, un, and unconvincing <laughs> unless you're Ben, I guess. All right. Well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, I hang out in the Slack all the time. This week, everybody's been talking about the start of the Moon Knight series on Disney+, Plus, which I think has been really great so far. Mark, have you watched any of Moon Knight? I have seen the first episode so far. I know as of as of this recording, there are two episodes available. There, this definitely seems to have a creator vision to it, and, and I'm here for it. So if you want to come join this awesome Spider-Man community where we talk about all things Marvel and comics, really, just follow the link in the description to this episode and be sure to say hi once you're there. We'd love to have you join us on this growing group of people that talk comics all live long day. Speaking of talking comics, Mark, as if the show hasn't gone long enough, we're going to get back into it. I want to talk about this beyond experiment overall, like, you know, what we kind of thought of this kind of 19 or so issues away from normal. I mean, like, have we ever had like a storyline kind of like advertised so directly like this? Like here's 19 issues. It's called beyond. It's going to be this length. These creators, uh, I don't even think Superior was really advertised that way. 
what did, what did you think of this kind of experiment? I mean, yeah, you'd, it definitely felt kind of like a, a weekly maxi series in, in 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 the in the scheme of a of a ongoing comic book. So, I, I understand the circumstances that led to this. I mean, we talked about this at the very beginning. There were some unexpected creative changes that forced the Spider Office to have to like kind of fill in the gaps to to get to a certain point if they were up against voluntarily doing something like this, that they would opt against it because it, it it did feel to me kind of jarring and disruptive, putting aside the story itself, just, just the, you know, like brand new day was, was completely different because it, it, it wasn't necessarily finite for one. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it felt like it could just kind of go on like that until basically they got bored. <laughs> um, whereas you kind of knew it beyond from, from the get-go, like that they, like they were, you know, crossing off days on a calendar almost to, to get to a certain point. I, I don't feel like the brain trust approach was remotely as successful as it was during a brand new day. I mean, you know, I guess you can, I guess it's come out in interviews on this show and others that like Dan Slott was kind of the, the brainchild of the brain trust and, that's you know basically playing the role of Zeb Wells was for for Beyond, but like it never felt like like Dan Slott's vision was the only one guiding that that those stories during that time. Whereas you know we've talked about it like with a few exceptions, it, it generally felt like if if Zeb or or Patrick Leeson weren't on the book, there there was a a better than than good chance that the book would have been the book would have been off base you know what i mean that would have felt it would have felt disconnected from the rest of of the series and that's disappointing in itself i think in terms of quality like i would put these issues up against the first 19 issues of brand new day you know like like let's not forget brand new day had a bit of a rocky start i i don't think anything here is quite as bungled as jackpot was during the brand new day storyline I think it's a bit of a mixed bag and maybe with more time they could have settled into uh, a, a rhythm here. But I think, you know, if, if, if past is precedent, time is, was not their ally in this. And I think, yeah, the series kind of ebbed and flowed, but kind of felt more coherent to more towards the beginning than it did towards the end. My feeling about this is, as indicated by the like backup in this issue is this was Lowe's brand brainchild and wasn't really driven by an idea that like was all that coherent beyond we need to change something up for Ben. And I just don't think that that's enough to really hang a story on. That doesn't totally sit right with me that this was more or less an editor's vision for the for a story yeah like i like i feel like editors you know editors are managers you know like like they're they're working with the creators to to refine their idea you know like i want i want to hear that you know zeb wells just had this 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 can't can't beat idea about what if we took ben riley on this journey and and I, you know, and we worked with Ben, we worked with Zeb to get to this point, but that's not really what was reflected in that <laughs> that letter from from Nick at the end of this book. It was like, you know, I had I had this, uh, you know, or we we, you know, you know, like the editors had this idea, and you know, 
it's I don't know. It just doesn't sit right for me. I I I feel like they they need to be more of a guiding hand than than you know than what appeared to be the case here. And I think that the lack of cohesiveness is reflected in that because I think creators in a in a brain trust situation are going to do a better job working off of each other than like working off of the thesis of a manager. In my opinion, we don't know the situations via which they had to construct this narrative. But I I feel like if it was loosely constructed as it seems to have been, maybe going so like maxi with it wasn't the way to go. You know, like if, if you could give me 10 really solid issues as opposed to over 20, you know, and give yourself the time to really tighten those screws you know, and make sure that the ship was ready to go out. Like, great. You know, I, I would have much preferred that. And, you know, again, I suspect we're working backwards here to land issue 900 where it's going to go and, you know, to get to the ending that they needed to get to, but it ultimately hurts the storytelling. You know, there's just, there were so many things here that like just didn't add up to me that felt like, they were just like you said at the start of this review, just an idea overall that wasn't really detailed. Like what does Peter being knocked into the hospital and being out of commission have to do anything with Ben's journey in this story? I mean, yeah, Peter came back and then Ben was like, you know what, you know, it's going to happen when he comes back. I'm not going to be allowed to be Spider-Man anymore. But if that was the whole idea, then like let's, have focused on that. But instead we kind of just got Peter knocked out of commission just because this whole story kicks off with just Ben showing up and doing it. You know what I mean? Like, like, so that's kind of nullified anyway. Like, like what's stopping Ben? Like, you know, (laughs) from, from just, you know, like he's got the backing of beyond. So like, yeah. Why, what does, what does Peter being taken off the board truly accomplish? Um, so who do we think came out on top? You know, obviously Zeb Wells and Patrick Gleason, but were there other people through this experience that you felt like, you know, we had an opportunity to try all these people out on the A book, so to speak. Is it, were there other people that you felt rose to the occasion? I, I think you're higher on Zeb than I am coming out of this like I, I i i you know like you know it still feel you know i i i i still need to get a sense of what his vision for the character is and and not him executing on someone else's vision so you know i just want to put that out there i'm not saying that he came out badly but like he came out fine i guess patrick leeson definitely looks like a star to me out of this i mean you know at one point when we were kind of waiting to see what the next creator one was going to be I, I think I made a text to you or something. I was like, I want to see like the Patrick Gleason, you know, John Byrne artist writer run that, you know, Byrne did on Fantastic Four in the 80s. But, you know, Gleason can do for Spider-Man now. I, I don't know if he truly has the bandwidth to do that. But I that's what I was hoping to see come out of this, because like I was blown away by Gleason as a storyteller, both visually and with words on a page. And I really love. I, I thought generally everything that Jeb McKay did was was very strong. Um, you know, we we have both praised his work on Black Cat, 
And of course, like some of his best stuff was stuff that related to Black Hat. But the fact of the matter is, he he writes a good he he writes a good comic book in the Spider Man world, you know. <laughs> so it be it would be great to see Jed get like a if you know if not a shot on the main book at some point, you know. Uh, a substantial B series at some point, you know, like 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 a spectacular or whatever, you know, whatever that book may be. Please, at this point. Ma- please, uh, Marvel editorial, make that happen. It's hard to say, like you said. I mean, Kelly Thompson seemed to be out in La La Land. I feel very undefined about Solomon Ahmed and his work. Cody Ziegler just feels like Chip Zarsky when you can't actually get Chip to do the book. <laughs> so you can get his you get his, <laughs> his 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 C level replacement. Sorry, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but like it, hey, they're it both C Z like, names. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's yeah Steven Spielbergo from uh, The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in terms of being very let down, like I I I, I Sarah Pacelli just really disappointed me throughout on on this run. Like that was someone that I was really expecting to to bring it on the art level, and I don't know if she did. And Bagley was kind of Bagley filling in here and there. But like, I got to be honest, like, I, I think I liked Bagley's work more during the Spencer run during, than during this run. So it's it's hard to say, like, outside of the big three that we've kind of already praised in terms of Zeb, Jed and 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 Patrick Leeson, if anyone really comes out looking great on this. I don't know. Do you, do you feel differently? No, I, I feel very similarly. I did want to shout out like Art Adams covers. I thought were pretty much stellar throughout. I mean, I'm really excited about J.R. J.R. getting to do covers again because much of his, you know, Straczynski run, he didn't do covers for. And I like a lot of the covers that I've already seen. I'd be lying if I didn't say that I thought Art Adams did some of the best Spider-Man covers we've had in a very long time. They're just kind of iconic. I'm going to remember what happened in all of those issues. I liked Michael Dowling a lot. I, can I just to, to, I was just say just just as an addendum to Art Adams, so much better than like the Alex Ross covers we got a few years ago. Like I mean, as much I love Alex Ross, like let's not be wrong, but like those just those covers just felt so stock and trade. Whereas like I feel like these Art Adams ones had more personality and and they felt more as part of the series. They reflected the the the, the what was going on in the books a lot better than than those those Ross covers, don't you think? I, I agree. I think the Ross ones were unspecific and these were very specific. In fact, so specific that sometimes they don't match up with the content on the inside. Like I think about the, uh, the one, the hospital monster issue. Like I like the cover for that more than I like the issue itself. Like it told a better, a better story. So, you know, I, I, I give it up to art Adams. You know, I did want to shout out Michael Dowling. I don't think he's like a superstar here, but like he drew some really kind of emotional issues. I think his Queen Goblin issue was really exciting and terrifying and felt very cinematic and like a blockbuster of an issue. I wouldn't mind seeing him back on the book. So he was a kind of a discovery for me that made me pretty happy. And I also like, you know, like as much as I don't like the issue, the Jorge Fornes issue in the hospital was really like well illustrated, even if I thought the script was really bottom of the bin. So, you know, wrapping up beyond what are our thoughts moving into a new run? I mean, I like you said, I think I'm a bit higher on Zeb Wells than you are. Like I, I'm 
I'm excited to see what he does. I've, I've, he's not my first choice. Like, I don't think he's going to sell a ton of books on name alone. I really liked his avenging Spider-Man issues. And I liked every issue that he did here, even in this final one. I, I think there's a real like voice for Peter and, and his world inside of Zeb. And so I'm excited to see like, if we have a more basic approach, I mean, there doesn't seem to be a huge hook to this next run. And I'm kind of down for that. If it's just good Spidey comics, sign me up. I, I still don't know if I can exactly put my, my finger on what's, what is he going to bring to the table here? You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you, you look at his body of work over the years, especially as it relates to Spider-Man and it's a lot of it is very sporadic. It's a few issues here. It's a few issues there. I mean, even when he's like the creative brainchild of something, you know, he's not, it's not like he's writing every issue. So like, I, you know, like, and, and we don't, you know, we, we technically don't even know how long he's in it on this book. I mean, like I, the solicits, the solicits are through which issue at this point? Are they through 900? Through or? 900, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we know he's there through 900. So that's seven comics, but we know JRJR isn't. So, so you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> we have to see, we have to see like what, what, where they're going. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to necessarily dump them after seven issues, but like, I, you know, it's, it, the, the fact is like, you know, like there's nothing in Zeb's DNA that indicates that he can do a three or four year run on the, on, with this character. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we, we truly do have to see where this all goes. I don't know. I feel like not not to be that fan because, you know, me more than anybody doesn't care about the Peter and MJ relationship. At least I shouldn't say don't I don't care about it. I don't feel that it's essential to the survival of the book as other fans do. But like I, I did kind of chuckle t- to myself at the ending of that book because it's like, let's move in together. Oh, wait, <laughs> you, the road to you is paved with blood. What's that? And it's like, oh boy. Like, like they, <laughs> they just love to like, like get you so far with the two of them and then really pull it away from you again. Don't they? <laughs> it's just, then we're never going to see it. Right. And we, we, we have the cover for issue two of this run, which is like them walking, like breaking up or walking away from each other. So like, you can never truly get what you want for the, the fans who really want the two of them together. And and I would count myself amongst them. I, I tend to like the stories where Peter and MJ are together more than the ones where they're not. Uh, do I think it's essential? Right. No, I, I think, I think I land more or less in the same place as you. I mean, I, I like those stories a lot. I just don't feel like I, 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 I admit I, I, I kind of embrace the role of, almost like what Marvel does of kind of trolling the fans that just live and breathe and die by this idea that Peter and MJ have to be together. You're just kind of like, all right, guys, come on. <laughs> like, you know, there, is, there is, there is literally like what? 600 issues of this book that do not have the two of them together. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Although I do think that like, there are some answers that need to be given here regarding the engagement ring and where that was all left. Like we can't just yada yada 
that never happened. You know, like someone in editorial, (laughs) right. Someone in editorial allowed that to happen. And if the plan is to never talk about it again, it's a really dumb plan. You know, maybe, maybe that's why she leaves him. She, she's not ready to come for commitment again. Uh, uh, Although she just asked him to move in. (laughs) So So you want to give a grade to this thing? Oh, I, I wanted to get one more thing from you. I wanted to hear about. So you had a very interesting theory about who is in that last panel of this book between when, when, with Peter and MJ. Because like I didn't read it as this, but I feel I feel like you have a good read of it. I mean, chalk this up to like another bad Dan Gavazdan theory. And it, it, it kind of hit me straight away. And then like it started being echoed in the slack. So like it, I'm not alone. In, uh, in this is that like initially I thought it would be like something like light master. I mean, who else lets off that much light? I'm kind of in the page that it's Willow the Wisp. And some people are probably listening going, who? Willow the who? Yes, Willow the Wisp. And he has these weird distorted word balloons, just like the ones you see there. But he's normally kind of more of like a misunderstood character than he is like a path is paved in blood kind of character. I don't really know if it sounds like him more than it looks like him in terms of like emitting light and his weird word balloons. Like I, I gotta be honest. Like I, I looked at it and I thought like, is this like either like the beyonder or like a celestial or someone from the future or something like that? Those are like kind of my initial reads on it i don't know why they would be bringing the beyonder back just for spider-man but hey you know like weirder things have happened when you talk about the light and the word balloons it i think will of the wisp does make sense albeit you know as i said to you offline before we started like oh that's disappointing <laughs> okay like, we're, we're, that's that's who's gonna carry this that's who's gonna carry the new era of the book will of the wisp i don't know we'll see <laughs> He's just showing he's up because he's upset that, that Peter and MJ moved in together because he was going to be Peter's new roommate for this run. Now that Boomerang's dead, that's what he's talking about. This path is paved in Boomerang's blood. I'm your new roommate, not MJ. Right. Uh, don't remind me that good old Fred Myers is dead. All right. Now do you want to do grades? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do grades. I'm going to be a little bit surprising here, Mark. I'm giving this a B minus. Oh man. Well, this 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 might be our biggest disparity since what Superior 32 or 33 or you know, what what or or 30 or excuse me, 3031. 30, I forget that that's actually Yeah, 3031. 30, yeah, I'm I'm giving this a D, Dan. I mean, like it's not, you know, it's not quite on the level obviously of like the Spencer run and like you did a good job selling me on like some of the redeeming qualities here, but it just doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that it it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I feel like we had another bad ending to a long-term arc. And, you know, we could talk about how this book was damaged by the setup and by Kelly Thompson's uh, last two issues and all that. But the fact of the matter is this is a serial medium and I, I just don't feel it executed on the serial classic, uh, prospects of it. I think that this is too too self-contained of a story to truly be the end of a 19-part arc. And on that on that point alone, it doesn't work. It's, it's not a failure, but it's close. So D for me. Uh, can I amend mine to a C plus? Just, just for the for the sure. record book. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm like, I I'm like really in between there because I think it's... 
I liked it more than most. And I think like I'm trying not to get caught up in the marketing hype of it all, which is like, this is chapter 19. But like, if this was like, if this was just like a, a random Ron friends, Tom DeFalco issue that ended this way. And maybe would get picked up in a couple issues down the line. I think I would have been kind of okay with it, which is where I, where I kind of sit, but we live in this environment where every story is hyped and is the be all end all thing. And some things maybe shouldn't be like, uh, honestly, this shouldn't have been 19 issues. It should have been six to 10 issues at best, you know, and it wouldn't have all this weight on its back. I don't know. Maybe I'm also just kind of trying to soften a little bit. Like, uh, I can't be angry about Spider-Man comics anymore. <laughs> I'm not angry. I just didn't like it as much. <laughs> yeah, that's totally, that totally fair. Well, Hey guys, if you find this show entertaining and valuable, you know, unlike Mark felt like this comic was, please consider supporting us. You can recommend amazing spider talk to a friend and if you're able, become a member of our Patreon. Yeah, we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. That's why we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon exclusive review podcasts on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out instead of waiting for them to arrive in our public podcast feed. And if you are listening in the public podcast feed and we're already several issues into the new run of Amazing Spider-Man, why not like get on board, get caught up? You know, maybe Zeb Wells' run is absolutely amazing and you want to hear what we thought about it. You know, we're already caught up. You're just hearing this in the past. It's crazy how this whole thing works. But anyway, come join us on Patreon and join us for our journey through Amazing Spider-Man in real time. Yeah, and if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by uh, artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. And Dan, you got an announcement for what our next piece of artwork is going to be, right? Yeah, I'm so excited to announce this because uh, I've been working on this for a little while and finally managed to make it happen. Fans of Spine Tingling Spider-Man, which it was on Marvel Unlimited recently, which is, I thought, an excellent book, will definitely know the artist Juan Ferreira. Ferreira. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm probably butchering it, but he's been doing that book. He did a few other uh, Spider-Man titles, but he to me is like one of the best artists that Marvel has kind of got working in their kind of new slate of artists. I know he's drawing the flash right now over at DC. He does really great kind of dark noirish Spider-Man stuff. And I thought, you know, we're headed into this season where we're going to be talking about, yes, Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco, but also like Peter David's dark, spectacular stuff, Death of Gene DeWolf. And we needed something a little bit darker kind of for our Patreon artwork. So Juan is going to be doing a recreation for us of the uh, Charles Ness or Charles Vess cover for web of spider-man number one with spider-man in the black suit 
in that misty gargoyle thing, but he's going to be adding another friend of ours to that cover, and that is Daredevil. So we're going to get this awesome cover image of Spider-Man and Daredevil, you know, perched on this rooftop, looking all creepy and and vigilante-like. I, I think it's going to be so great, and I sent the idea off to Juan, and he was really for it, thought it would make a great image. So he's excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to make for really great artwork. So that's, you know, part of our $10 a month club to get the inks and $20 a month to get it in full color. And he's doing painted colors on this thing. So I know it's going to be really tremendous uh, if you want to kind of invest in, in supporting our show and getting some of this artwork. So I'm really excited about that. And I hope you guys listening are too. But we do know it's a hard time for everybody, as it is for us, too. So we do appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But again, if you do have the means, consider joining our Patreon to support both the existence of our show and shows like this and also all the artwork that we make. You can follow a link in the description to the show that will take you right to Patreon or go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com where you can click on the Patreon button and find out all about all the things that we do to make our show continue and, and create an awesome community, which is to say, again, a thank you to all the members who already make this show possible. Awesome stuff, Dan. But alas, it's that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yes, an extra long episode. We haven't done one this length in a while, Mark. Again, good to kind of collaborate with all the people that help make the show possible. That includes Rick Coast, who edits our show, Andy Myers, who designed it, our online portion, and also the, all the artists who make all of our artwork, including Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme song was produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton from the Panels to Pixels YouTube channel. So, Mark, until the data on the Chasing Amazing blog website gets flushed and you return as Chasm or Chasm, what's our motto? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> with great podcasts, <laughs> there must also come the amazing spider talk. And I feel like nothing now. <laughs>